Dad didn't seem to have heard what she said. He rubbed his hands together and grinned at me and Sarah. Well, what do you think, kids? Is it up to scratch? We had parked at the bottom of a driveway, in front of a garage that was attached to a large red brick house. The house had towering chimneys at each end and lots of windows. A path ran along the front of the house and kept on going, disappearing through some bushes into the churchyard next door. Dad pointed to a large rectangular plot alongside the drive that he said we would grow vegetables on. On the other side of that, separated from it by a beech hedge, a narrow path ran from a small wooden gate straight down to the front door. Beyond that was a lawn, about the size of the whole garden at our current home in the suburb of Newcastle. But Dad said if we thought that was big, we should see what was round the back. He led the way along the front of the house, past the front door and through a gap in the hedge. If there had been a gate, I thought with a thrill, it would have been like entering a secret garden, just like the one in the book I was reading. We found ourselves in the corner of what might have been a tennis court if the ground hadn't been covered in gravel, and beside it, directly behind the house, was another lawn, bigger than the front one and dotted with shaggy rose beds. I can get my game back up to scratch, said Dad, giving a swing of an imaginary tennis racket. My backhand was terrible when I last played with Colin. Mum came up behind us. Aren't you lucky, she said. All this space. It's like having your own park. Can we go and play? Sarah and I pleaded, looking longingly at the lawn. The grass was long and wet, and the trees and bushes that bordered it on two sides gave it a look of territory waiting to be explored. But Mum and Dad said no. There was too much to do, and we had years ahead of us for playing, and so we reluctantly followed them back through the gap in the hedge and into the house. It was February, and the house was cold and bare apart from some dead flies on the window sills and wood lice scuttling into the corners. Mum said to be careful, there might be the odd nail lying around. Sarah and I stood in the hallway, silent for a few seconds, breathing in the smell of emptiness and chilled air. We both felt slightly shy at our good fortune. Then we took off, tearing from room to room, excited by the size of the place and the clattery sound our feet made on the floorboards. Katie Jones, bound to do the cabin, I sang out. The television programme about the adventures of the railroad engineer Casey Jones was one of our favourites. The empty rooms threw my words back at me. Casey Jones with his orders in his hand. Sarah continued in her shrill singing voice. We thought echoes belonged in caves and hills, so it seemed magical to hear our voices bouncing back to us inside a house. And to think that this was our house. We had never felt so lucky before. In the centre of each room, a large brass disc, curved like a mushroom, sat on the floor. It didn't take us long to discover that if we stood on these, a bell rang in the kitchen. A box on the kitchen wall indicated the room in which it had been rung. Mum said that the first incumbent had been looked after by a housekeeper and that he would have rung a bell when he wanted something. Sarah and I looked at each other, scarcely able to believe it. Ringing bells for servants belong to a different world from the one we knew. We can have different meanings for different rings, I told Sarah. 
One ring will mean, are you ready now? And two will mean yes, and three will mean no. Sarah nodded. And we can ring when it's dinner time, like ringing the gong when we're on holiday. But Mum was already shaking her head and saying certainly not. They would drive her mad. And anyway, we would have carpets covering them up. We tried to reason with her, but she had made up her mind. I can't believe he's taken all the curtain rails and light fittings, she said to Dad, and we realised that there was no more to be said on the matter. When we had run round each of the downstairs rooms and jumped out on Mum and Dad from the walk-in pantry, we shot upstairs to do the same on the next floor. We stopped when we found a single piece of furniture left behind in one of the bedrooms. It was made of wood and had a tiny step and a shelf for holding a book, like the pulpit in church, but far smaller. I stood on the step, half-closed my eyes and screwed up my face.